Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. I'm Dory Zori from 88.9. And this is Cinnabuds. And this week on Cinnabuds, we are talking about a new documentary called Goodnight Oppie. Ladies and gentlemen, you are privileged to be in one of the most exciting rooms on Earth at the moment. Rover Dark. The signal from the vehicle is solid and strong. Opportunity is on Mars. Goodnight Oppie is a documentary by Ryan White, and it's about a 90-day mission to Mars where they're sending two rovers to Mars to gather info. And what starts as a 90-day mission turns into a 15-year mission. Success for NASA. (laughs) Yeah, unexpected. Well... The neat thing about that success story is they hinted in the beginning of the movie, if this mission didn't work and wasn't successful, there was a chance that uh, some of the NASA programs would have been maybe shut down because lack of public interest, funding. Some previous kind of gaffes had Mm -hmm. lost some uh, confidence. It was an incredible success, met with a lot of challenges. But overall, it's a really, really nice documentary. I was actually really impressed. Did you? How did you feel about it? I loved it. If you are yeah. interested in robots, engineers, space tech, geology, science, this documentary is for you. Yeah. And it also could have been a really dry documentary, but the way they teamed up with the oh, studios yeah. to recreate what was happening on Mars with the rovers, I thought was such a good choice. It, halfway through it, I was like, why is this? Am-? And I, I genuinely had to remember Oh, they don't have this footage. And then I remembered at the beginning of the film, it says, in partnership with George Lucas's Industrial Light Magic, which, as you know, makes all the Star Wars films, which I'm like, of course, that's why this looks amazing. And some of the best Star Wars films lately and side projects, the robots have steal the scene. And the robots that were built for this real life story, they really brought them to life in a beautiful way in this documentary. I'm just going to tease this in the podcast. I can't wait to tell you the two films, which I think is obvious, that this film reminded me of Mm -hmm. and that I subsequently immediately rewatched. I'm going to keep that for the podcast. But yeah, this is a beautiful movie and it's about space, which uh, another quick reveal is one of my top three biggest fears in life is outer space. (laughs) Just thinking about it freaks me out. So this was a challenging watch. (laughs) But I've also seen a couple of great documentaries about space and technology recently, which is a weird coincidence, but we can talk about that. There was also a good tie-in to music in this documentary, which we'll talk about more in the podcast. Space and music, what do those two things have to do? So many teases for you. We're going to talk more about this when we get back. Stick around. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. All right, we are back and we are talking about Goodnight Oppie. Oppie is a nickname for one of the two space rovers that they launched up to Mars in 2003. It was Spirit 
and Oppie. And what I thought was super beautiful about this documentary is they were filming the whole journey of how these two rovers were even built. The gentleman behind the idea who had worked on it for 10 years before he got a thumbs up from NASA. And then the two years of building these rovers before they launched into space. It was so cool to see all this behind the scenes NASA stuff with all these brilliant scientists and engineers. The scenes where things worked. So you have the big room. They always see it in movies and like NASA where it's just a big room. Everyone's at a console and headsets on and things like that. People in the back Mm -hmm. kind of looking concerned. It's just like (laughs) that. And it's, they did, the filmmaker said like we were really lucky because they did document, you know, their actual process in that room very thoroughly. But it's rare you see someone with that unbelievable enthusiasm and like excitement that something went well. Like you see it at sports. I immediately thought of like, this is how sports fans react, but they didn't do it. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't make the play, the ball go in the hoop. I'm a sports guy, as you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) They're just excited because they like that team. These people made something go to Mars. Right. And it worked. So you can imagine like people are just hysterically laughing or jumping up and down and hugging each other. It's delightful to see. Part of the beauty of this documentary to me, Kay Polly, was how the people who built the rovers talked about them as if they were their children. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have personalities. Yeah. They have a character, but really the investment that the engineers had in sending these rovers off, not only to have a successful mission, but to treat them like their own children, I thought was really beautiful. In fact, one of the main women was pregnant with twins while the twin rovers were being built. <laughs> That's right. And so she had like this really cool like association with being a mom of these twins and then essentially kind of like the mom of these rovers, Yeah, which... I know could sound come off as corny, but it wasn't. It was really a beautiful human story. And when you watch it, you'll get it Mm -hmm. because not only are they invested in them, they talk about when they build them, like you have to hit the cameras have to be in a certain place. It essentially starts to look like eyes on the Rover. You know, they have arms, they look, and this is what I was talking about at the big top of the show. I mean, it's like two big wallies. Totally. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought about Wally when I'm watching it, which you everyone's so adorable connected to that. But the head is very similar. The the wheels are like a little tank wheel sort of, except they've got actual ones. But then I also thought about uh, short circuit. Shorts. They mentioned (laughs) short circuit at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Which I said it, and then they mentioned it, and I pointed to Nicole. Go see, and she because she has no idea what short circuit is, and I kept saying over and over. Don't di- don't disassemble Johnny Five. Don't disassemble Johnny Five. And she thought it was hilarious w- without any context. Like, yeah, you should marry her. <laughs> I should. I'm thinking about it. Then we watched. By the way, we watched Short Circuit right afterwards because it was. Did you really? We just put it on. Does not hold up. Some kind of racist. R- real problematic things in that yeah. movie. If you can just edit only the Johnny Five. Uh, parts out then it's uh, worth it (laughs) somebody who can do that do that for us there was also a gentleman who was building the robots that grew up wanting to be it was Jordy from Star Trek yes yeah he had he was enthusiastic so I liked him like listening to him talk it was just like he his eyes get so big they're so into it also it's really cool seeing the footage of him from the beginning and, and you know they've aged a bit but he's like 
he pumped up. He was like a little skinny kid. Yeah. He was like all big when he was doing the interview, which I was like fascinated by. <laughs> but just seeing them, they've been in this, I mean, that's 15 years mm-hmm. minimum, just the actual voyage plus the time it took to build them. So this is a big chunk of these people's lives. The other thing I realized, <laughs> NASA scientists are hilarious because yeah. they not only kind of had all these private jokes, but some of the commands that they have for the robots, like rovers had AI. So they could kind of make a lot of decisions when they were on Mars. Right. But once in a while, they had to shut them down and restart them with commands. And some were gentle commands. And one they called a damn it command. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shut down, damn it. Shut or down, reboot. damn it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, reboot, damn it. So that was kind of funny to see a little bit of the character and personalities yeah. behind what you would think would be stuffy people. Yeah. And then that's a good segue to talk about the music. Oh, my gosh. So I've heard of this before, but you got to see it a lot. Uh, when NASA is apparently doing anything, they have morning wake-up songs yeah. to pump them up. It's uh, somebody different seems to pick a song every single morning to start the day off with. And I feel like that could be my job yeah. if I needed to work at NASA. I could yeah. be the DJ. But it was really kind of clever. Like They used Born to be Wild in one of the first yeah. wake-up songs as they launched the um, rovers into space. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. They did some great, uh, they were, it's always, I mean, I, I bet they just edited it to just show you the ones that were really related to what was going on. There was a moment where there's this storm and you don't see the sun and the sun is needed to re-energize the rovers. But there was a moment where it was like weeks without sun or days. Mm-hmm. And then when they saw it was finally coming out, they played, here comes the sun uh, in the morning. That was their wake up song. Really beautiful. And then the end of the mission, they had a just like a heart wrenching, but but also appropriate song for the end of the mission. Um, they, don't re, no, don't I won't say t- I won't say what it is. We're gonna have Nate play it for us at oh, the end. Oh, please do! That's wonderful. Uh, they did a really good job with that, and it was like it was inspiring. I can get why they would do that. I love that you brought that up because there was another moment where they weren't sure. I think that dust storm had gone through another time and they hadn't heard from Oppie in a really long time. It actually had been like 90 souls to me. um, I translated instantly in two days. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly. um, Roughly. So (laughs) they hadn't heard from one of the rovers in over 90 days, which was really only the expected lifespan of the rover. And they played ABBA's SOS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really cute and clever. And it's really fun to see, like, the scientists hearing these songs, singing along. It kind of, like, pumped them up and really took these really stressful moments and used music as a way to kind of just bring people together yeah. and be all on the same page. You know, space, NASA, maybe that's not your thing. It doesn't really matter because this is such a wild ride. It is a roller coaster. Like things go great and then there's something awful that happens. They have to figure out how to fix it. Some just kind of accidentally gets fixed and it's this wonderful discovery, which I don't want to reveal it, but that's why this mission went from 90 days to 15 years is because something happened on the planet which they realized, oh, that fixes the problem. So now it can go, you know, as long as the the rovers hold up. It had but, such yeah. a cool story arcs <laughs> yeah. in it, like a regular movie would. And exactly. this was something that happened in real life. And you get invested in the characters and you do, like we said, you get invested in these robots. They seem really sweet mm-hmm. and really industrious, obviously. 
And like you said, they can, some of the decisions they made for themselves, very simple ones, but you wouldn't imagine what we think of as an inanimate object would be able to go, oh, I should probably do this because this is here. One of my favorite parts, Christopher, yeah. um, at the end when they knew Oppie didn't have that much time left, yeah. they had Oppie take a bunch of oh, yeah. pictures, selfies that they were then able to put together because the whole 15 years, Oppie was just taking photos of things that- From his perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her perspective. Oh, actually. pardon me. I'm so sorry. They, both robots You're were right. women. You're right. The female, given female characteristics. That's true. You're right. Um, and so that was really, really cute at the end. I thought that was yeah. a sweet way to show. And when you see all the, they collected all the images that the, it was almost like a collage they put together and you can finally see the full, it was, <laughs> again, I went, <gasps> I like gasped, like, oh, there she is. Yeah. I think yeah. this movie would be super fun for the whole family. For sure. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, you've got kids that, that do like robots and engineering. I think it's inspirational. In fact, a lot of the young NASA engineers that were par- around for the second fifth part yeah. of the 15 years grew up inspired by watching things just like this. Yeah, exactly. Space launches, movies about space. One of the women that worked at NASA at the end was in high school in yeah. the beginning and had, was lucky enough to be there to watch the launch. Yeah. And then she ended up working at NASA. I know that is wild. Like you were there just lucky enough to get to see it as a kid. Then you work there. That's bananas. So how many kids listening to this podcast are going to go watch this movie and then want to be a space engineer? I know. All of them. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, Yeah. Nicole teaches science and she's going to, she goes, oh, I'm going to obviously show this to my kids. Oh, what a treat. Yeah. yeah, That's going to be great. But it's a, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful movie and I'm terrified of space. So I did okay. I'm going to say this one more time, even though we already covered it. The industrial light magic, the sets, because they don't have obviously have footage of the rovers mm-hmm. and the planet, but they do have pictures of the planet. They're just not as nice as what George Lucas is going to make. <laughs> but they, but they said they're very, you know, true to what was happening. But it's stunning. It feels like you're on Mars. It's I love very cool. I love that George Lucas. I mean. Mm, I'm a big Star Wars fan and I have no fears of space. Um, <laughs> That's lucky. I mean, do we dive into that for the last 10 minutes? Where did this fear of space come from? Oh, yeah. Oh, let me lay down. <laughs> I don't know. I remember I started, I tried to read a book, uh, the Bill Bryson's Short History of Nearly Everything or something. And it's about space and the beginning of the universe and all this. It's the vastness of it that freaks me out. So when I, when I hear... Like, even thinking about how big our state is <laughs> compared to, like, like oh, it takes me hours. I am driving for hours, and I am still in this state. That alone is like, wow, that's real big. Everything's mm-hmm. real big. Then you magnify that a touch, mm-hmm. and, like, what is it, a million Earths can fit in the sun? That stuff freaks my brain out. Yeah, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah. Ultimately, to me, when I think about that sort of thing, it's super humbling. Yeah, when maybe I, I don't like that. You don't like to be humbled. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> JK, my friend, JK. I am as big as the sun. You are one of the sweetest people I've ever met. <laughs> I had one of those moments when I was in Iceland recently, and on one of the nights where we were out kind of in the country outside of the city of Reykjavik to see the northern lights, the sky yeah. was so clear the second part of the evening that the science teacher that was leading our tour 
had us look up and and said that is the Milky Way that you can see that strip oh. of brighter. It's just like in all the pictures I yeah. saw with my own eyes. And I had a moment there. I mean, I was having a moment watching the Northern Lights because that is anyone who's seen them in real life knows what that's like. What yeah. that feels like. But to look up and be able to see the Milky Way without looking through binoculars or a telescope that's or wild. on TV really like gave me a moment. Yeah. That In a makes good sense. Way. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm if I'm observing those kinds of things from the comfort of my ground, yeah. then that's fine. But thinking about the enormity, I think, is what really blows my mind. I remember I saw, a, I don't know if it was a new moon, harvest moon, blood moon, some rare moon. Oh, you're not talking about the Twilight movies? <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously those are very humbling. Those are humbling films. But it was bigger than I've ever seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where I had minimum 20 seconds where I thought, is something wrong? Is like, this crashing is that into the coming earth? towards us? Genuinely was so shocked by how big it was that mm-hmm. I was like, that's not right. I've never seen that before. Can you imagine being old timey living hundreds or thousands of years ago and oh, yeah. seeing those kind of phenomenons without the science to like pop yeah. in your brain behind it? A- that's how religions form. It is. And I have to explain why that and sagas. <laughs> yeah. We recently, at a, the last member screening at Milwaukee Film, we showed a film called The Hunt for Planet B, mm-hmm. which is all about the creation of the James Webb Telescope. And so it's interesting because we just watched that, and then now I'm watching Good Night, Oppie, and that was fascinating. And you, it, It's like they, the team, mostly women, who helped create and launch this thing, and just the enormity of what they were able to see and how they were able to create this thing that, you know, the biggest ever, the most intense telescope anyone's ever created that just happened. I had people come out after the, after the screening. I don't think that some of them that didn't know that that was successful because the film doesn't lead up to it actually being used. You know, it's like, it's just a creation of the telescope Oh, yeah. and they made it coincidentally, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So then they came out like, I want to know what happened. I'm like, oh yeah, no, it works. No, I saw it in the news. <laughs> I saw it in the news. We just there was just a photograph of what could be the beginning of another planet that is a planet that is bigger than our solar system. Ah. That is the kind of thing that upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my question for yeah. everyone who follows us on um, social media: What? Would your wake-up song be oh, if you one, were a yeah. NASA engineer and you were in charge of the rovers and it was a very big day? What would the song be that you would play to pump up yourself and all your coworkers? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I got to put some thought to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll prompt you on uh, Instagram for sure. But yeah, let us know. That'd be great. Um, what else have you been watching? Or reading or listening to? Mm, I've been listening to a lot of music that came out in 2022. I'm starting to put my year-end list together oh, for 88.9. And without cheating and looking at Spotify, because I've been listening to a lot of vinyl this year, Yeah, hands down, I'm going to ruin it. My number one album of the year is a tie between yeah. Dance Fever from Florence and the Machine. That album gave me so much power and feels this year that's great and then my go-to comfort album harry's house from your favorite harry styles (laughs) oh i'm I'm a real styles head (laughs) oh wow that's a pretty good one yeah i i get excited here's the thing is that i am not even close to being tuned into music these days current music 
A little bit. That's not true. I'm exaggerating. What's your go-to year for music or decade? I mean, decade 80s for mm-hmm. sure. But when also high school, you know, high school was 90s for me. So there's a lot of like, I still, I will never stop liking Pearl Jam. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and then I like what Eddie Vedder did later. I think he's interesting. But yeah, like, you know, like The Cure and... Depeche Mode. Were De- you a Depeche Mode fan? Yeah, Depeche Mode too. Lesser Depeche Mode, but Cocteau Twins are like oh, my yeah. favorite band of all time. Really? Yeah, I, I never I never get tired of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly, occasionally hear something where I'm like, oh, I should really pay more attention to this. Florence the Machine, I love Florence the Machine. But I love listening to your, all of the top 10 lists uh, that 88.9 does because I'm like, oh, here's a treasure trove of stuff that someone's already figured out for me now i should just go listen to it good let us be your music resource absolutely what have you been um reading or watching um uh, listeners longtime listeners cinebus historians will know that i'm obsessed with gilmore girls nice and for the second time this is my second rewatch meaning the third time so you watched it originally i watched it originally uh, or like soon after it came out and then it wasn't like a year or two ago where uh, Nicole and I rewatched it where she hadn't, she'd only seen bits and pieces. And then we watched the whole thing and she wanted to start again <laughs> recently. And I said, it's too soon. We <laughs> just did it not long ago. And so watching it for the third time, I am now, I, I'm like, I think it is definitely too soon. Cause I love all the bits. I still, I always loved, but there's a lot of characters in that town. That genuinely think are awful people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's more than I remembered, mm. and I'm like, I there. There's no redemption for this character. There's no redemption for that one. There's like five characters in the, and there's a lot of characters in the show. Have you seen it? Uh, I saw it a long time ago. So yeah. the question that I wanted to ask you, yeah. which I won't be able to respond much to, is what <laughs> yeah. Gilmore Girls character do you most uh, associate yourself I, with? I mean, I flatter connect. myself. To say Luke, mm-hmm. only because I I aspire to be Luke, mm-hmm. but I am as I am as quick to be frustrated and mad as him. But I also feel like I try to be very nice to the people who are around me, despite that. Um, he's a very a supportive. So oh God, I want people to say that. <laughs> if anyone says that to me naturally, I'll be like, "You and I are best friends forever." <laughs> But it's also hard because I think a lot of the people in this town are despicable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like five I like, maybe six or seven tops. But there's like, you know, 40 characters. And then there's a ton that are just, why are you, why are we, why are we okay with you? I'm glad you're saying that because I think when I tried to do a rewatch, it was those characters that turned me off to watching the That's rest of the series That's understandable. And it gets worse the more you rewatch it. I'm like, no, I hate you so much more. The interesting thing that you might like is that they have a very weird, and I can't explain it, connection to really interesting music in the show. Like really not mainstream, but really interesting musicians show up on the show. Like they play like street performers often or like Carly Simon shows up as a character for a few episodes. She does the theme song, but then also you have the sparks. Oh my gosh. I love sparks. They ended up towards the end. They came in. It's so weird. I know just like that caliber where it's like, not everyone's going to know who you are, but you're like a musician. Buffalo Springfield pops Mm. up. It's really weird. I don't know why those musicians are attracted to that show. Exactly. But anyway, 
We're working our way through that. This podcast started out talking about space rovers and ended <laughs> with sparks on yeah, Gilmore Girls. How did we get there? Well, you know, because you've listened to That's this whole right. thing, you wonderful, wonderful oh, humans. We can't thank you enough for sticking with it. And if you want to know what the last song was that uh, oh, yeah. was featured on the final day of Oppie being alive in yes. the uh, in the Goodnight Oppie documentary, yeah. listen, listen closely. Cinnabuds is produced by Nate Emig. 
This show's uh, theme song was written, recorded, and produced by Brett Newski. Thank you. And thank you to our members at 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and at Milwaukee Film. We love you guys. Thank you so much.